A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I tell you, when I think about it, we are best friends. I mean, we see each other multiple times a week. We fall out, but then we get back together again. So the next time you're feeling like a sad panda or you're feeling upset deep down in your tum-tum, know that old Simon is a good buddy of yours. There's a weird way to start ups and downs, but it's my show and I can do whatever the hell I want. But we did just have AEW Dynamite Winter is Coming. As a small spoiler, I thought it was flooring brilliant. I had a great time. Let's up those downs. For all the people that go, that doesn't even make any sense. Up those downs is gibberish. That's the whole point. Death Triangle versus Elite Round 4 started off Dynamite this week, and I don't care what anybody says, unless you're my mother, then I care very much. These six are terrific professional wrestlers. Even if you don't like their style, surely you can appreciate it on some level, because they've just changed up everything here. Not only did Nick Jackson get injured, which tied directly into the story, but by the end of it, the Elite were going, you know what, when we get to the next match, we want to make it no disqualification. And they didn't just do this for lols, everything made sense. Nick and Penta also started this thing at 100 miles per hour before everybody went after Pac's broken face. And I audibly looked at my TV and said, well, that's not very nice. He needs his face. That led to the triple dive because, of course, it is 2022 wrestling. When Nicky did land on his ankle and all of a sudden he seemed to be favouring it. He and Kenny continued to whoop Pac's ass as the doctor attended to Nick Jackson. But how the medical team were able to focus anything, I do not know. Because Phoenix was tightrope walking the ropes, Pack hit a German suplex, Bowis de Kassler, whereas Penta was just hitting a bunch of sling baits. So it's no wonder the doctors went, listen, Nick, you have to come to the back, otherwise we're going to keep looking at the wrestling. It did allow the Lucha Brothers to smash Matt Jackson for a little while until he came back with this awesome double Northern Light suplex. Then <laughs> he made the hot tag to Kenny Omega. And this was hilarious because the reaction to this. It was like everybody had just become best friends with Santa and they couldn't believe it. And he hit the You Can't Escape. He was hitting a bunch of snapdragons. And he was going to go for the Terminator dive before Pac tripped him and hit a slingboard cutter. I mean, seriously, a slingshot cutter. I don't know what a slingboard is, but I was just so damn excited. Somehow Kenny was able to come back with a brain buster when on the outside, Penta hit the Fear Factor onto Matt Jackson, and Matty Boy went right into the ring apron. In the ring apron, huh? I 
do believe... Hang on. Do you know what the funniest thing about Europe is? What? The little differences. They got the same ship that we got over here. A little bit different. Example. Well, do you know what they call the hardest part of the ring in Paris? They don't call it the ring post? No. I know it's hard, but they don't know what the flubber ring post is. So what do they think is harder? <laughs> the ring apron. The ring apron? Well, what do they think about the barricade? Well, the barricade is the barricade, but they call it Barry Barricade. Barry Barricade. <laughs> well, what about the ring steps? I don't know. I went to an indie show. They couldn't afford ring steps. Okay, inside a baseball quickly. From now on, you are gonna get one hardest part of the ring skit a week, and you're gonna have to watch all the ups and downs to figure out which episode it's in. I know, that's annoying, but it's called marketing. Also, I've done a lot of these, and I think we need to calm them down just a little bit. This then went off because everybody hit their moves, but clearly somebody had told Nick Jackson about your teams are in trouble, because he then limped back to the ring, and somebody must have given him a med pack or something, because he got in the squared circle, and he started to kick everybody's ass. I mean, he hit these lariats, this amazing mid-air cutter, and just as he was about to finish everybody off, you already know what the Death Triangle did, because they are the Triangle of Death. They got that damn haver, and they smacked him right in his injured leg. So down he went. Phoenix is absolutely guilty too because he applied the knee bar as everybody stopped Matt Jackson and Omega getting back in there. And of course, Nick Jackson had no choice. His leg probably felt like it was going to come off. He had to tap out. And now the triangle is up three to one. It's like sports. Omega was rightfully pissed off about this, so got on the microphone and said, look, I'm not meant to speak, but I don't want to do this anymore. So how about when we get to the next one, it's a no disqualification match, and then all weapons are go. So this absolutely rocked, and yes, it was a distraction, so bring it down and mark it up by one, but I don't care because it just served this so well. As we found out later too, all the rest of the matches are going to have crazy stipulations as well. So I love all of this. It's just good old-fashioned wrestling that makes me feel warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum, and I'm giving it up. And then amazingly, we don't get this very often, there was a sign in the crowd that said, Simon, give this a down. So as ever, you are all heroes, and you make me feel good inside, and I still can't believe people keep doing this, but please do keep doing it, because like I say, it puts a smile on my face. But also, you are my boss. So we take the finger of power, and we point it at the down box. Kapow! There you go, it's a down. I already know the crazies are gonna lose their damn minds. For goodness sake, look at me right now. I'm an absolute buffoon. None of this should be taken seriously. Quick promo with MJF after this, as he did build up this week's main event by saying, good work, Ricky Starks. Last week, you finally made yourself a star. But don't forget, on the very first episode of Dynamite, I already was one. He finished off by saying that he was going to turn the pebble into dust. And I was like, wait a minute. Turning a pebble into dust would be really hard work. Like, it's still a stone. It still has a hard surface. You would absolutely, definitely need some sort of machine. I did like this, though. And I'm not sure whether something different happened here. But it was more slow-paced. And it kind of felt like AEW was going out of their way to make sure you knew this last match was going to be a big deal. So I say more of this. It worked. And then the acclaim got screwed. First Henry Cavill with Superman and now this. But they were making their entrance and doing their rap when Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh jumped them. They absolutely kicked their ass. And just when it looked like Max Caster was going to be able to fight back, Jeff took his guitar, he smashed it over his head and then he grabbed the microphone and he said slap nuts doing that for about 20 years. So this is definitely going to be a title match, but look, we've got this big show coming up in California. It makes sense to have the tag titles defended on that show. Just have the acclaimed win. 
all of this will be fine. Also, when we do take this and the Maxwell Jacob Friedman promo and put it in one big bowl, I am going to give it an up. I thought they were two good segments that not only sold this show, but reminded you about what could be happening in the future. Tony Giovanni was then chatting to Chris Jericho in the JS ever, he wasn't very happy. For the Oak Show was absolutely livid that he had lost to Claudio Castagnoli at Ring of Honor Final Battle pay-per-view, but it's okay because later on he's going to be in action, he is going to win, and then he shall go get his title back. This is when he turned to Daniel Garcia too and say, listen, I know that I lost, but you lost as well, so you need a tutor, you need to get back on top, so I think a great idea is from now on, you shadow Sammy Guevara. You should have seen Garcia's face here. He was like, man, dad, I don't want to do it. Sammy then went off and said he was going to beat up John Moxie and Rampage. And I was like, yeah, good luck with that. And every time he tried to hand Daniel Garcia, Daniel Garcia, like, tried to shrug it off. So I like this story already because I can smell the potential for goofiness. It also means there's a new story added into the mix. And speaking of stories, we then got Jungle Boy taking on Brian Cage. Now, you know the deal already. It was strength versus speed, speed versus strength. And while speed did work for a little while, eventually Brian Cage went, and he used his power including bicep curling Jack Perry. And I don't care who you are or what world you come from, that ain't normal. There's also this cool extra to the whole thing because we kept being told, oh, that jungle boy, he is still suffering the effects from what Big Bill did to him last week. I was like, yeah, I'm not surprised because if you didn't see, Bill took him and he threw him into the ring apron. And I made some calls and I watched some skits. It's the hardest part of the ring. I also thought Jack was dead too after an overhead suplex and a full Nelson driver, but somehow he was able to kick out a two. And then when Cage went for the F5, somehow Jungly Jim reversed that into a destroyer. That is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Hyperbole. And then kept going back and forth before from nowhere, Perry was able to apply the snare trap. And even though Brian Cage was tapping out, the referee didn't see, because he had been distracted by Prince Nana on the outside. And I was like, damn it, royalty, you're giving Britain a bad name. Amazingly though, this didn't matter, because even though Cage tried to capitalize on it, basically Jungle Boy pushed Brian Cage into the Prince, and when he came stumbling back, he hit the most devastating move in all sports entertainment, the surprise roll up, and he got the one, two, three, and I thought this was great, because it was like a double trick cruise. You thought he was gonna lose, and then he was able to win. Jungle Boy grabbed the microphone after this too and said, look, I've beaten up a bunch of big bitches, so why don't I take on another one? I'm talking about you, Big Bill. And he told him to get his ass out to the ring. Now, he didn't get that because Stokely Hathaway came out instead like, oh man, you absolute idiot. You are driving me wild. Of course, Jungle Boy shouldn't have been looking at him because he got jumped by Lee Moriarty and the biggest of bills. This also meant that Perry got hit with this massive choke slam. I think he ended up in a different universe. And you just knew that somebody was gonna make the save. And it was none other than Hook. Now, number one, the fans went crazy for this. And number two, I went crazy for it because it was like he's going from Rampage to Dynamite. So he's done with all his side quests and now he's getting on with the main story. I'm also not sure my heart can handle this because you now have Jungle Boy and Hook as a team. And if nothing else, both have wonderful, wonderful hair. Once again, though, this was given time to breathe and it really felt like some kind of a happening. And if they do become a tag team, it means both of them will get more time on a dynamite. And I've got no problem with that. This was well-worked wrestling. Giving it. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. The Blackpool Combat Club were doing an interview after this, and you think they'd be quite pleased given their most recent success... They weren't. I mean, they are proud of their accomplishments given that Claudio Castagnoli is now the ROH world champion and Wheeler Yuta is the ROH pure champion. And Moxley talked about the fact that he's going to go to Rampage, he's going to kick Sammy Guevara's ass, and then he'll also go after Hangman Adam Page. John even told the cowboy to bring his Dark Order friends if that's what he wants. So look what we have here. It's more planting of seeds and it's more stories... Almost like someone's been listening. This continued too because we had this Swerve Strickland video that was kind of creepy and kind of badass where he was like, Keith Lee, next week I'll meet you in that ring. And you ain't my friend, you ain't my enemy. We'll just have to see what goes down. So once again, if we cross the streams and put our fingers together, I liked all of these. They're all getting it up. As is the House of Black versus the Factory. I mean, holy moly. Because it was Malachi Black, Brody King and Buddy Matthews finally making their way back to AEW. And my word, they just had the best entrance. And given that they were taking on the Factory, they just destroyed everybody here, including Julia Hart going and misting a bunch of people in the face. When Malachi Black slammed QT Martial right in the head, he went down. Honestly, they must have beaten them in about three seconds. I mean, it was so well done. If you never watched Dynamite before and you saw this trio, straight away you'd be like, whoa, a big fan of theirs. And once the Death Triangle elite stuff is wrapped up, the House of Black have to be good to go after those trio's belts. Giving it up. Video package for Sheeda versus Jamie Hayter after this because they will be competing for the AEW Women's Championship on next week's Dynamite when we cut to Rene Paquette, who was with Britt Baker and Rebel. They started talking about the fact that Hater is going to win this nice and easy, easy peasy, when I walked sky blue, and she was like, I don't really like you, Britt Baker. 
I think you're a massive goober, so we should fight on Rampage. Now talk about shooting your shot, and while the dentist was clearly annoyed about this, she did agree that is gonna happen on Friday night. So there you go again, the stars are back. And then, oh my gosh. This was wonderful. Because as we know, Chris Jericho lost at the weekend and he was very upset about this. Because of that and because he wanted to get back on track, he booked himself against Action Andretti. And no, you're not meant to know who that is. I mean, I'm sure he's been on AEW Dark or AEW Dark Elevation. But the point was, it was meant to be a faceless wonder because we were about to do some business. Clearly somebody had been watching the 1-2-3 Kid versus Race Ramon though, because seriously, Chris Jericho started this just by beating the absolute crap out of action. And every time he got a little bit of a flurry, the fans just came unglued. To the point at one point they were even chanting, let's go jobber. That's basically an insult, but at least they were invested. I mean, Jericho even kicked out at one when Andretti did try to pin him. So it was just a bit like, you ain't got nothing on me, pal. When Christopher hit the code breaker and this son of a gun actually kicked out. And if you want to hear some noise, you've got to go watch this spot. Jericho then calmed this down again by poking him in the eye. But if you listen to the fans, they then started to chant action because Chris Jericho is so smart and he put this in his brain. And he continued to beat this guy up. But at this juncture, there was something in your tum-tum that was saying, I think something crazy is about to happen. And it's totally true because Chris Jericho must have activated Action's go switch. Because all of a sudden, he was doing all of these moves. He hit a springboard to the outside. And when they were back in the ring, he reversed the walls of Jericho basically into a DDT. He hit a standing shooting star press. And the referee (laughs) counted to three. And this is what I did. It's like I was about to be hit by a car. I couldn't believe it. To the point I had to rewind it. And I did it again. Action also went potty after this, as did the fans, because of course you would, as Chris Jericho looked like he was about to melt down. And this was such a smart decision by All Elite Wrestling, because now no matter what matchup they give us, there is going to be a small part of us that goes, well, I expect the obvious guy to win. What if he doesn't? So bravo. Round of applause all round. Chris Jericho is just one of the best ever. Oxen Andrade took his moment and he absolutely smashed it. I enjoyed every single second of this. It's exactly what I like about professional wrestling. And then also, when Action Andrade was celebrating, there was a crowd sign that said, Simon, give this an up. So isn't that nice? On the same episode of Dynamite, we have achieved parity. And as ever, I am your loyal servant. So we're giving it an up. It's probably best I did see that because once again, the crazy people, look, there's balance. We brought balance to the force. Go Jedi. Ricky Starks then got his retaliation promo and this dude is just on fire right now because once again, he made you care by saying, I am going to become the AEW world champion. When we also went to FTR, who also like, man, we don't want to fight the gun club. They're a couple of idiots. However, they have pissed us off. So now we must kill him. We also saw Jericho losing his mind after this. And I swear, as he was smashing up the backstage area, he started to say, oh no, which of course is a reference to his Ocho character. So what a flipping 2022 he has had. So once again, when we take these three segments and we put them into a ball, let's get it up. And it was revenge time next, because it was Ruby Soho taking on Ty Mello after Ty had broken Ruby's nose a few months ago. They really laid their stuff in during this as well, because they were kicking the shit out of each other, which was in stark contrast to the beginning of the thing, when Ty came out with Sammy Guevara, and they just kissed for around about 32,761 years. I 
than that. It was pretty awkward. A massive brawl broke out too because they're not friends, with Ty Mello throwing Ruby into Barry Barricade and Simba the Steel Steps because she's a smart wrestler and she understands her ring friends. Mello thought this was going to help though, but it didn't because Ruby smashed her with a bunch of suplexes instead when somehow they fought back to the outside. This must have been Mello's plan though because she DDT'd Soho into the rampway to try and break her nose again. And when she saw Ruby Soho's side in the crowd, she grabbed it and she ripped it up. That did make me chuckle, because somebody would have put a lot of work into that. Now it's dead. We then continued to go after the nose, because there was just some crazy smacks towards it, including this pumpkin. And she even picked Soho up, and she gave her the gotch pile driver. Quite clearly, though, we were trying to make sure that Ruby did come across like a damn hero, because she fought back from this. She then smashed Mello in the skull so hard, I thought she was about to star in Face Off 2, when, ironically, from nowhere, she hit the destination nowhere, and she got the one, two, three. Of course, Anna JAS ran in after this and laid her out with the gory bomb, but this just means we've set up another program and now Ruby Soho can go and find a tag team partner of her own. But seriously, this absolutely went above and beyond my expectations and was just another piece of goodness on a damn good dynamite. We then carried on this Hangman Adam Page concussion issue too, because we zoomed to the back when he was there with a trainer and Evil Uno, and as Alex Marvez interviewed him, he gave us a very sad update. Because he was talking about after he had been knocked out by John Moxley and was being taken to a local medical facility, when people were trying to make sure he knew where he was. And while he could remember most things, when they asked him what his son's name was... He couldn't recall it. So there you go. You have all the motivation in the world why the cowboy would want to get back against John Moxley. And he also dropped a great line here, which was something like, oh, Moxley, you want me to go to hell? Well, I'm going to drag you with me. And I was like, you get it. This was also the perfect balance between, yeah, cowboy, you've got to smash it up. But also, please, I'm a little bit worried about your brain. So would you protect it? And this Adam Page, man. He's just got something about it. We also got told that it's going to be the best friends, Dan Housen and Dustin Rhodes, taking on Kip Sabian, Trent Seven and the Butcher of the Blade come Rampage 2. And I'm very excited about that match because it's absolutely going to have nonsense in it. So once again, take the two segments, wrap it up with a bow, give it an up. It was around about this time we did get it confirmed all the stipulations for the rest of the Best of Seven series. When it was time for our main event, there wasn't a trumpet player on the show, MJF versus Ricky Starks. For that damn world title. And wasn't this just nice because it was a couple of All Elite Wrestling homegrown stars proving that they deserve to be in the main event, proving that they could both be AEW world champions. I loved all of it. MGF was mocking Starks to begin with, so Ricky just tackled him down with a tackle. Obviously, that's the stupidest thing I've ever said. And because it surprised Max, he went into the crowd where he was just throwing popcorn around the thing because he was so mad. When he did get back in the ring, he was able to take control by poking Ricky Starks right in the eye. And this is when he was like, oh yeah, you've got bad ribs, Mr. Starks, so I'm going to work them over. So that was a nice little extra because, of course, Ricky was wearing that tape for ages. He also went to town in the midsection, including the terrifying abdominal stretch and of course any time he could cut a corner he cut a corner because he is a massive heel and some bald idiot was all like oh i bet maxwell jacob freeman gets cheered regardless and whoever that guy was should probably be fired Wait, it was me, I'll get my coat. Starks kept having these flurries of hope though, which was so damn good and kept you rooting for him. And at one point he was even going to go for the Rochambeau, but MGF got out of it. So from nowhere he hit this sit out powerbomb. 
mean, he only got a two, but it was pretty damn good. They then traded the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment with MGF holding the tights when he was doing it because he was an asshole. And then the false finishes after this. The absolute best is when Ricky was able to get a desperation spear, but because they were both down, when he went to make the cover, all of a sudden MGF went, I don't think so, and he locked in the Soul of the Earth submission. This was pure agony, but of course Starks did make it to the ropes because once again, you wanted to believe. This is when it went absolutely nuts because he was going to hit the Rochambeau on Maxwell Jacob Friedman. He got out of it, kind of hid behind the referee. Obviously, Ricky had to go, would you move over here? This is not helping at all. And as soon as the ref wasn't watching, bam, MGF hit him right in the penis down Ricky Starks went. It also meant that Friedman was able to hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment or basically rolling up to get the win. And it actually made me go, man, he is such a wonderful piece of shib. This was really well put together. The crowd absolutely hated it as well, which was the entire point. And just as MGF was leaving, all of a sudden, Brian Danielson's music played. He came out the tunnel and he chased this guy through the crowd. And seriously, fair play to Friedman. He sold Danielson like he was some kind of a ghost. It also means we have our next program and that's always the way to do it. And Danielson made sure to raise Ricky Stark's hands after this. And let's make sure we carry on his momentum. I don't care who it is. I don't care what the story is. Just have something ready for him. That dude is going to smash it. All of this was great though. I thought it was a really engaging main event. And it's just so nice seeing homegrown stars in this position. I am giving it an up. Which did bring us to the end of Winter is Coming. And look, the only down is because a sign told me to give a down. For those people that get mad when it's all ups and no downs, look at it this way. I enjoyed myself to such a degree, I couldn't find any negatives. And I could be a negative Nancy, but there is a lot of wrestling commentators out there who will do that for you. And I just absolutely say you should support them too. And as for now, Dynamite is getting it up. 